Welcome, everybody. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. You can also email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or accessory suggestions. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Also, do not forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hello to our friends and listeners of Life's Accessories. Friends and listeners, we can say that, right? Friends and listeners. Friends like and that. listeners. Some are both. Some are both. Exactly. Well, today we are going to be talking with Melissa Brenner, and I'm really looking forward to this because she just sounds so amazing, Rach. I know Melissa. She's a friend of mine. Yes. So I can say she's amazing. Yes. But anyway, it's the fall. It's November. Yes. And just yes. happenstance, Stephanie and I mm-hmm. got on Zoom today. We are both wearing turtleneck sweaters. Yes. So can I just say it? It's sweater weather. Sweater weather. Sweater weather. It is. I like the camel color. It's very pretty. Thank you. I don't always wear camel, yes. but and I like the black. So I'm feeling no, it's actually navy, but it's a dark navy. So it navy. really doesn't. Yeah. So you can't really tell. Oh, I love <laughs> the fall look and the sweater. I wish we could wear sweaters all summer. Me too. I wonder mm-hmm. if Melissa will be wearing a sweater. I wonder. I don't know. Do so think, anyway, do you think our listeners are wondering, or are they like, can you get on with it? Get on. Okay. That's all right. Sweater Hey, it's our show. We can talk about whatever we want for as long as we want. We're going to share a little bit about Melissa Rosenthal Brenner. She is the executive vice president of digital media for the NBA, and that is the National Basketball Association, where she oversees the league's digital products, strategy, and emerging technology initiatives and co-manages NBA Digital the league's extensive cross-platform portfolio of digital assets jointly operated by the NBA and Warner Media. Melissa was instrumental in the development and implementation of the NBA's global digital strategy and social media portfolio across multiple media platforms, including forging groundbreaking deals with Facebook, Twitter, well, X, YouTube, and Snapchat. Under her leadership, the NBA has built one of the largest social media communities in the world with 1.9 billion likes and followers combined across all league team and player accounts. Wow. Big business. She's a big deal. That's for sure. Melissa also oversaw the rollout of a variety of first of its kind digital offerings. And during her tenure, NBA Digital received a 2021 Sports Emmy for outstanding interactive experience event coverage for the 2019 through 2020 NBA season restart on the NBA app. She has been a member of the NBA family since 1997, which is a long time. And Mm -hmm. you don't hear that often, you know, I mean, that's basically her whole career. That's incredible. She joined the league following her graduation from the university of Pennsylvania, which big reveal is how I know Melissa. We're friends from (laughs) college. And before that, she worked in the NBA's consumer products, marketing, advertising, and marketing departments. She currently sits on the board of directors of Match Group, Inc., and she lives on the Upper West Side with her husband, Joe, and their two children. I can't wait to meet Melissa. She sounds incredible. And let's bring her on. 
Hello, Melissa, and welcome to Life's Accessories. We're so happy to hear, have you on today. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. We are thrilled to have you. I'm so happy to see your face. And now- You guys are reunited. You're reunited. I I said that in the bio, Melissa and and I are friends from college. And Rachel still looks the same. It's amazing. Go to you, Melissa. (laughs) I don't know about that, but it's amazing. Thank you. Stop. Okay. <laughs> Go on some more. I have the honor of asking you the question of the day, which is what accessory do you want to share with us today? So I spent a lot of time thinking, and I went through some of your podcasts for inspiration, and I kept going back to the one that's the most meaningful that I truly wear every day. And it's my mom's wedding band. And Rachel knows this because Rachel, in addition to going to college together, we actually grew up near each other. In fact, our moms knew each other. Um, My mom died um, almost 12 years ago, and my sister and I had a really rough time splitting up her jewelry because it felt like my sister's my best friend. We get along really well. We talk multiple times a day, and it wasn't a fight about, I want this and I want that. I think there was some finality to it by Mm -hmm. separating her jewelry. So there were certain things that we sort of split up right away. My sister took a necklace of hers that she used to wear a lot. And I just took this very thin gold band and I wear it almost every day. And if I don't, actually, I'll replace it with another piece of jewelry of hers. It brings me comfort. It, I, I, it's how I think of her. It's how I remember her. It's how I still feel connected. And I think it gives me sort of a superpower in sense of like how I got through a really tough time. You can see even talking about it, my voice sort of still shakes all these years later. And I know Stephanie, you went through it and I'm sorry. And it's like the club you never, you never want to be a part of. Um, So true. So true. And I'm so sorry for your loss. And it is not a club that anyone really wants to be in at all. But I love how you describe this, the ring as sort of having, it's a superpower. And and it's interesting because I wear some of my mom's jewelry too. And, and sometimes in tough life moments, I find myself, whether it's a ring or a pin or a necklace, whatever it might be, I'll like hold on to it. Right. Cause it's, I need, yeah. <laughs> we all need our mothers. Right. Yeah. I fully get that. You mentioned it's gold and just for our listeners and yeah. is there detail or any sort of engraving no, and that's like what's that. so interesting. My mom yeah. liked jewelry and had definitely had some flashier pieces. And this was one that's very quiet and sedate. It's just a very thin gold band, but it's easy to wear because it's just, it's plain and I could wear it to the gym and nobody would really notice it. But it's funny you said that I do play with it quite a lot. I don't know if it's become a nervous habit or I just, I just twirled around, but it does make me feel connected to her and um, to that time. Cause it is something that you have to go through it as much as you think you're a compassionate person and hopefully a good friend until you go through something like that. I don't think you truly have compassion to when someone else goes through it mm-hmm. because it's such a, you know, Know, devastating experience. And I think when talking to people, I was so fortunate to be really close to my mom, but sort of no matter what relationship you have with your parent, especially your mother, it's just a, it's a really tough time. Yeah, that's for sure. I was, I'm playing with these rings that I don't wear every day. It's a bunch of gold stackable rings. They were not my mom's wedding bands. They were just like some fun rings and I don't know, I put them on today for some reason. So I do find myself uh, sort of the basis for this podcast, 
needing those things nearby. And if I could be the therapist for a minute, Melissa got on the call earlier and expressed her condolences for losing my dad and having now lost both parents. You're an orphan? Like <laughs> I'm an orphan and I'm an overachiever. I say this to my friends. I can tell you about the mother loss and now I can tell you about the father loss. So we have to laugh a little bit. I was yeah. actually talking to our rabbi about this soon after my dad died. And this just resonated, Melissa, when you said to me, you were really close to your mom because it's easy in life to feel sorry for yourself yeah. throughout any problem you have in life, whether it's loss or just any kind of challenge. But I remember the rabbi had said to me, Rachel, there's people who have their parents in their lives for 150 years and they don't have the relationships that you had with either of your parents. And that brings me a lot of comfort too, as well as twisting my rings around. So I'm sure yes. you could relate to that. that that's beautifully put. I, it's There's never enough time, right? We're at different points in that process of having lost parents. Grief changes over time, but it's still so raw, isn't it? That's so well said. It, it really is, no matter what. Do you think like, when do I get to a point I can talk about it without your voice quivering? It hits you at different times. Like you see your kids growing up and it hits you. I was just on a, a trip with my son because he's looking at colleges like your daughter is and like your daughter is, Rach. And just that thought of she's not going to be here to see yeah. where how this ends. You have to believe that they're seeing it somehow, but. And the relationship with your parents in the sense of the people who are truly happy for you and your kids, it's different. Like your friends are happy, but not the way your parents would be really happy and proud to see the people they're turning into. So No one loves you like your parent. And Melissa, it, maybe, it, maybe our moms are listening to this together. Uh, I, I think so. I think so. And speaking of journeys, and we know that's kind of an overused term, but we're going to use yeah. it on life accessories because we can say whatever we want here. But um, <laughs> you have had quite the journey with the NBA. And so we yeah. want to hear all about it because you started there fresh out of college. I was worked for another sports licensing firm for about okay. a year. It's been at the NBA, uh, October 20th was 26 years, which is bananas. And it's interesting from my kids' perspective in that I've been with the NBA 26 years. My husband's been with this law firm well over 30. So for both of them, like they don't know a world where their parents don't work at their companies, which is obviously not typical for a lot of working families. Their perspective on work is very interesting um well especially because yeah. we graduated from college 10 years ago so the math just doesn't right. work right? doesn't add up we, well to tie it back to my mom she was a teacher my grandmother was a teacher I haven't says my mother-in-law was a teacher and as Rachel knows my sister is a teacher so I'm surrounded by by teachers my mom was super into education she stopped working shortly after she had me I went to Penn I think that was as excited as I was, I think she might've been even more excited when I got into Penn and she really, I wouldn't say push cause she wasn't pushy that way, but encouraged me and my sister to have careers. I think one of her regrets was that she felt it was a time where you stopped working to have kids and it was very hard to get back. And I think of all the things she was proud of, the two of us, the fact that we worked at getting these careers that we have was something that was really important to her and looked at as 
all the things she's done in her, in her life that was cut way too short. That mm-hmm. was one of her biggest achievements. I started the NBA in 1997 in um, a consumer products marketing role, you know, marketing basketballs and trading cards and did that for a few years and then went to work for this newly formed advertising group where we created all the advertising for the league. And that was super interesting. So commercials and radio spots and courtside signage and print ads. And from there, I was happily doing that for a number of years and through a really good friend of mine from college, Amy Rosenblum, who Rachel knows, Mm -hmm. her brother, who I had kept in touch with, had left Amazon and went to work at a company called Facebook. (laughs) And I was looking at Facebook because at this point it was became this very quick. I don't know if you remember this is around 2006, 2007 became this supernova of a company and it was just open to college students and a marketing matter. We always thought it was interesting from an MBA perspective because there was always a bifurcation of fans who liked college basketball, but maybe didn't like the NBA. There's definitely crossovers. They're hoops fans. But there are some fans who just like college hoops and don't like the NBA. So wouldn't it be interesting if we could figure out a way to market to those college kids NBA basketball? And, and I should have mentioned also at this time, Facebook had launched this very successful March Madness bracket game that was like very quickly became the biggest bracket game in the country. And it came from nothing, obviously, to most popular in the country. We started working together, Dan Rose, and I'll never forget, he he called me about a week before we were going to launch our own NBA bracket game for the finals, the NBA finals, Mm -hmm. said, I want you to know before it hits the press, we're going to open up Facebook to everyone. It won't just be open to college kids. I paused and I said, why would you do that? You're going to be MySpace. (laughs) And that's why I probably should never play the stock market. He didn't listen to me clearly, and he's done extraordinarily well. Now he's the CEO of a a big venture capital company called Co2, but he had a very successful career at Facebook and definitely because he didn't listen to me. But that was, that moment um, was a seminal point in my career of launching on Facebook. I then became very deep into our social media business. I launched us on Instagram and YouTube and um, Twitter and Reddit, and I'm probably missing a few platforms in between. So I did that for a number of years. And then I ran our digital product business. That's our app and our website. And then recently I'm, I work on our team digital business. I oversee our joint venture with, with Warner Brothers Discovery called NBA Digital. I oversee our emerging tech business. So how the NBA uses AI to further our business and strategic partnerships, which is how we leverage partners, help us sell more league pass and create more NBA members into our community. It's, I think the only way you can stay at a company that long is to keep getting new and different opportunities. And I think that's one of the keys of why I've Mm -hmm. stayed a while and really enjoyed it, really loved it is the fact that I've had the opportunity to work on a number of pieces of the commercial side of the business. It's been amazing and interesting and quite a ride. 
That is definitely a journey, Melissa. Thank you for sharing that with us. I have to say- I tried to make it brief. (laughs) It's great. And I have to say, going back to just what, what you initially said, I wasn't surprised to hear. I never heard you say that before about your mom wanting you and your sister to have a career because my mom was very much that way. She was a teacher because in her day, that's what her only option was. And she loved being a teacher. But I remember her telling me that she went to college in Boston and she used to stand in front of the law school and say, I wonder what it would be like to go to law school. And her father, who for the time was, I guess, a liberal guy, but he was like, you're not going to know because you're going to be a teacher. And isn't that (laughs) crazy? But that my mom to me was very much more, you're going to have a career, you can do whatever you want to do. And so I do appreciate that. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned social media and I didn't know about the timing of Facebook with the MBA. I do definitely remember that moment when Facebook was just in college campuses and then like in five seconds, everyone and their mother had it. <laughs> so how has social media throughout the years changed in the MBA and how has the MBA been changed by social media? Sure. Look, I, I think at a very basic level, social media changed how we communicate. And it would have been very easy for the NBA, as it has for other sports leagues and entertainment properties, for us, for us to be in control and say, if you're a fan of the NBA, for our teams, for our players, come to our websites, come to our apps, and you can enjoy the NBA. But if you want to grow your business, if you want to reach more people, you have to very simply be where these new fans are. And look, all the credit really goes to Adam Silver, who was really prescient at the moment of recognizing the opportunity, recognizing the fundamental shift in in how people communicate Mm -hmm. and being really encouraging for us to be at the, the, the forefront of working on getting our content in front of these audiences. And look, I think the other interesting thing has been watching the social platforms evolve. When we first started working with Instagram, they were a small independent company. They weren't part of Facebook. There was no such thing as Threads, the competitor to Twitter that's now called X. You forget these are still rel- relatively nascent companies. So they're still evolving their business strategy. So working with them to understand what's important to their their business and then obviously how our business fits in to their vision has been really interesting and a dynamic part of the business. Mm-hmm. Speaking of evolution, you work in a field where it's been primarily male dominated and obviously things have changed over time, but what challenges have you faced as a woman? I think the first thing I would say is people often forget we have a we have the WNBA. So right. we have a women's right. sports league, which is incredibly helpful, um, both in front of the camera, on the court, having a sports league for women. But obviously, it also helps from a hiring perspective. We have a number of uh, dynamic and amazing women um, who work on that property, and as well as the NBA. And I think... What's been interesting is we have a number of top-notch female executives, but the one thing I'll say that's I, I think do, the people don't get enough credit for is that we've also had have really incredible men mm-hmm. who have been sort of good co-pilots in the journey, if you will. Even bringing it back to years and years ago, 
with David Stern when he was the, our, our commissioner. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any policy in terms of you were a new mom. Could you work from home one day a week? And my daughter's going to be 18. So this is a long time ago. I don't know what sort of possessed me, but I went to him and our head of HR at the time and very quickly got buy-in and small group of women and I talked to him and we got buy-in to have one day a week, which I know maybe doesn't seem that novel now, but at the time was a big deal that for, and it wasn't just for working parents, but also for elder care. Like it was expansive in its scope of things that employees needed to perhaps work from home one day a week. So I do think as much as the credit should be passed along for we have really great women, whether it was David or Adam Silver, who is our commissioner now, who I've mentioned, I do think having a, a business run by people who care and are involved in helping women progress is really been meaningful. And I think part of the reason why we have a number of successful and and long tenured female executives. It's so interesting to hear you say that 18 years ago, it was a big deal to ask for work, let's say Fridays from home, because now in the post-COVID era, it seems different. But speaking of- Like, why not? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of the COVID era, I have to ask you about this behind the scenes, because this is something we talk about fairly often in my family when you're having that conversation about remember when COVID hit and now it seems a million years ago, but I do remember that March, my son, who's an Philadelphia sports fan, and we could talk Philly sports after this or during this, he was like, he came running Boston sports or Boston sports. Thank you. Boston. (laughs) So Joey came running up the steps and was like, you guys, they're, they're shutting down the NBA. It was the biggest news. And I do recall, and now Melissa, I want to hear the inside scoop if you can tell us, because it was early, right? Shutting down the NBA was a big deal. It was done early and it probably saved a lot of lives. So can mm-hmm. you tell us about that I process? So, so yeah. the, the funny sort of just personal story is one of my dear work friends is a gentleman by the name Charles Porch, who runs partnerships for Instagram. And we had dinner set up for a couple of weeks at a restaurant downtown and he's like do you want to cancel because again this was like early co- like thing re- restaurants were starting to empty out people were mm-hmm. getting nervous and I almost felt like it was the last supper little did I know it really was the last supper I I, I was like no let's go I could use a night out we were working really hard because we we thought maybe what was going to happen was we'd play without fans that the players would play uh-huh. without fans so work was really crazy and I just needed a night out joke. My husband was going to be home with the kids and part of the work environment, at the league is you work all the time, primarily because the, the games are on at night. For whatever reason, I had my phone, everything in my bag, which is unusual because usually if I'm at dinner, I usually have my phone on the table, not mm-hmm. great manners, but usually something happens and I have to respond to, it. especially again, it was a work night. It was around. Yeah. 7, 7.30 at the heart of when the, the games are on. And I felt my phone ringing a lot. I don't know why. I just didn't. I was so engaged in talking to Charles. Like I didn't so look at it. And at the end of the meal, I pick up my phone. I had 25, a screenshot of it somewhere. I had 25 <laughs> missed calls. I don't know what I was doing. I'm not a big drinker. I was not, I don't know what was going on. And a good friend of mine at work, Chris Banyarko, gets as just as I pick up my phone, he gets me on the phone. He was calling just as I picked up the phone. And he's like, Where 
are you? <laughs> and he gave me a quick summary of what happened with Rudy Gobert. And he basically told me that I was about to lead a call with about 70 people from the NBA and from Turner because we were postponing games and we didn't know how long at this point, but we had to, you, you get into this very tactical litany of things you have to do on all of your digital assets to communicate to fans what you're, you know, what's happening to mm -hmm. the games. So we had to lead a call to go through this. So I went from having this fabulous dinner to being up till four in the morning. And the interesting thing about the next day or the next few days is my husband's office had shut down. The kids' school had shut down. So now the four of us, plus my dog, were in our apartment. And I, I love my apartment. I love my family. When you're trapped inside with them and everyone's trying to go to school and work, I think it was 24, 48 hours, we were killing each other. And my husband and I were having this huge debate about, do we rent a house outside the city? Do we stay? What do we do? Because at that point, you, you didn't know if you go like really far out of the city and someone gets sick, do you have access to medical mm -hmm. care? These were all the things everyone was really marinating over. It was really, you didn't know what decision to make. It was just a bet. We're all fighting. I'm working like crazy. The kids are trying to go to school. So anyway, I'm walking the dog and my uncle Murray calls me and he's like the patriarch of our family. And he goes, I've heard you and Joe can't decide what to do. And I said, yeah, how did you hear that? He goes, my dad called him and told him. I said, okay. He said, let me tell you a story. So it tells me a story that my great, great grandfather, Yitzhak Rosenthal, Rosenthal is my maiden name, lived um, in a village outside of Odessa, Russia. And he had a funny feeling. And based on the funny feeling, he decides to take the whole family and move out of the village. And a week or two later, a pogrom comes and levels the village. So he goes, that funny feeling you have is genetic. You need to leave. Oh my God. <laughs> Uncle Murray. Uncle, Uncle Murray. Murray. You know, we all need an Uncle Murray as far as I'm concerned. He's right? a, unbelievable. Wow. So a flair for the dramatic. So okay. I went home and dutifully told my husband the story. And my husband at this point goes, I can't take it anymore. Fine. So we ended up <laughs> renting a house for, I don't think we came back for six months that I think saved- wow my because to go from an apartment to being, oh sure being so yeah. lucky to have a house so we had outdoor space I could close a door and no one could bother me we were outside the city for a good six months which was very helpful it was all day to day right in terms of your work tell us like it, what it, was that like for you yeah it was I will say you know it's amazing what you can get done when you have to that it was tremendously organized everybody was committed everyone worked all the time and you also felt this sense of and speaking to my colleagues who were on the ground and ran it you know we created the the campus the the bubble the uh, bubble in, yeah. in Orlando and I think you had this sense of like greater purpose that people needed some sort of mental escape right people needed sports again people needed something to to root for and cheer for so there was something that really inspired and I think drove the organization at the time. And look, it's really nice for me to wax on beautifully about it now. At the time, it was you know, <laughs> a slog as you're going through your seventh Zoom of the day and right. you know, oh. trying to cook. And I, I'm a terrible cook. Terrible. I think I remember, Melissa, you messaging me about my chocolate chip 
cookie recipe. I did because I yeah. cookies are like the only thing. <laughs> yeah, they're hard to mess up. Oh, that's up. great. That like, is great. Can I just say with uh, from a family of big NBA fans, thank you for creating the bubble and making that happen because you're right. It was this yeah. crazy time. We're appreciating where we were and the fact that people were getting so sick, but it was great to have the NBA back in, in that way. Can I ask you, do your kids root for Philly sports teams? No, neither. It's I still, to this day, I'm a huge Philly sports fan. As a league employee, you root for all. all you root for all the teams. Yeah, all NBA teams. But of course, still, I'm still an Eagles fan. I'm still, when I correspond with my extended family, because my whole family is still in, in Philadelphia. I'm the only one who really left. I, my kids, I, in fact, I joke to them. I tell them they're half Philadelphian. Like you'd be half Russian or half French. I tell yeah. them philadelphia and it doesn't go and in fact the super bowl the patriots eagle super bowl in minnesota i had mm-hmm. tickets and i asked jack if he'd like to come and he go said only if there's a way jack's my 14 year old son he said only if there's a way for both teams to lose sorry i use that because i know stephanie's a, a boston yeah fan. i will he does i will say so sadie won't even go with me jack will we got tickets to a Phillies World Series game last year. He's gone to an Eagles playoff game. He's definitely gone with me because I think he likes the, he's such a sports fan. He likes the spectacle of going to these things. But sure. he, yeah, I tried. I really tried. That's okay. My husband's a New York sports fan and we're raising a Philly sports. So whatever. We're bad parents. It's fine. If I could bring it back to the accessory and to your mom, what do you think she would say about all of your success and your career at the NBA? Oh, I think she'd be so proud. And I think her echo chamber was the nail salon, which I think is where she met your mom. That is 100% <laughs> oh, true. I wasn't going to say I love it. it but- I love yeah, it. Okay. I think, they would, <laughs> I think they would know everything. I know she'd be tremendously proud, but I think knowing what kind of person and mother she was I think she'd be even prouder of my family and who my kids are that part of my life as much as she's proud of the professional piece of it because that was everything to her you have really figured out how to do it and you've done a lot it's incredible no we're like Barbara Walters we get everybody to cry I'm thinking about that so much more these days too with the kids of one in college and one almost and it's like at the end of the day right that's what it's all about Melissa what we want to know is where can our listeners find you and learn everything they want to learn about the NBA where should we turn people to do so there's really nothing else to to find out about me. <laughs> NBA.com or the NBA app is everything you need to know about the league and all of our teams and players. Yeah, you must be gearing up. We're talking to you now. It's November, but yeah. this won't air for a little while. So we really caught you kind of um, right. In-season tournaments, really the most exciting thing on our calendar. This is the first year we've done it that we have a cup, the NBA cup, that'll be awarded to one team of eight teams in the semifinals in December in Las Vegas. It was a long time in the making, but the excitement about the competition, the courts, I don't know if you've seen the courts are really brightly colored and the games are played Tuesdays and Fridays leading up to the December competition. It's been, it's, it's been fun to watch uh, take shape. I have one last question for you. Please. Do you play basketball? So I, no, not well. No. 
I like that stuff. That's a good yeah. question. Played, <laughs> Thank I, you. I Hard hitting. Sport. I played yeah. a lot of different sports as a kid. Basketball, yeah. never very good. At you have a lot of other skills. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan. There well, you go. Thank you for joining us. We loved having you. Thank you guys. This was fun. Thanks, Melissa. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Life Successories. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and get in touch. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.